Well, good morning. I have to admit, I got a little nervous when I saw Ben up here. I'm thinking, is Ben leading worship? I didn't know he had that skill, man. I was going to be impressed. <laughs> Yesterday, I was up in Wisconsin working at my mom's house. Uh, went up there Friday night and uh, worked all day, and then they had eight inches of snow, so we were pretty good before we left. That was unbelievable. It was crazy, but it was good. It was good. Uh, I'm, I'm blessed today. We're going to start off a new series called City on the Hill, and I think that the concept is that God takes people from all different socioeconomic classes, cultural backgrounds, history, family heritage, and he melds us into one in this perfect mosaic called the church. And the beautiful thing is he refers to us as his people, right? And uh, we are his people. It's amazing when you think about that, how he can take a, 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 any person anywhere and bring him in and fit him perfectly into his family with all the dysfunctionality with all the sin with all the issues the church is still a beautiful thing because it's what Jesus is building amen right and that's why we should love the church no matter what has happened to us in the church because it's Jesus's church and he loves it right in spite of us at some times and I think what Christ accomplished in adopting us as sons and daughters He's made us into a singular people, a family, a city on a hill. And God's plan is for us to be salt and light. I'm not going to focus on salt this morning. We all know that salt is really about preserving agent in the culture at large, and we're there to really make a difference. But I also think as light, it has a whole different meaning that accomplishes both. And to me, we're being transformed by the light of God's love in the gospel, right? We are, uh, you know, God's really not after our discipled will. He's about our freedom in Christ, that we may do that which is, I think, transforming externally because we have the freedom internally from knowing Jesus Christ and his truth for our lives. Amen? So I think there's some interesting things going on, and I think that uh, I am going to uh, turn on my... There we go. So what I like about the passage is the first sentence, and we're going to look at this really closely. You are the light of the world, right? Um, and it's interesting, it starts off with you, and it's really important for us to understand that. The word you is the Greek homis, and it means, it has an empathetic meaning, meaning you alone. So what it's saying here is a follower of Jesus Christ, remember, he's talking to the disciples, right, in, right there, in the, uh, the, right near the Sea of Galilee, in that valley of the Beatitudes, we call it today. And as he's talking to them, they're the followers of Jesus Christ. I'm not even sure they were believers really yet. And sometimes scripture kind of paints that out. But they're followers of Jesus Christ. And he's saying, you alone, and that's a reference to everyone who's a follower of Jesus Christ, are the light of the world. Philippians, uh, Paul says that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. The other interesting word right after it is are meaning presently they were, because they were following Jesus. Isn't that interesting? That's what we should be. We are the light of the world, not a light that shined 10 years ago when we took Christ as our Savior or some point in our life. It means presently. And the question for all of us this morning, are you presently a light to the world that's in darkness? It's a good question. 
I think one of the things, the word, the word light there is phos. It's kind of the root word we get the word photograph from. And to me, it gives me the picture that we ought to be a true picture to the world of what Jesus looks like. A clear, in-focus picture of what Jesus really looks like to the world. Now, we're not the only lights. The Bible says the word of God is a light, right? But here's the thing. If nobody picks up the Bible, how are they going to see Christ? They need another light in their darkness, And that needs to be you and me. That's why you and I are the light of the world. And and, and it's kind of interesting because if you're of my age or a little bit older, mature, um, the younger generation probably won't, this will be lost on them, but do you remember the Polaroid camera? Right? You'd take the picture and it'd go, and the film would come out, right? And then it would, you you couldn't do a selfie with a Polaroid camera, unfortunately. So you'd take that picture out, and you'd have to wave it around or place it down, and you'd have to wait for it to develop, right? Part of the problem with us in the church to be a picture of what Jesus looks like is a lot of us are impatient with the process it takes to be a good light. We don't want to wait for the development that it takes. That's called, in Scripture, it's called sanctification, right? We're just usually, we want, to, we want to get at it, and we want to do it. We want God to do his work now so we can move on to the next thing. And sometimes when we're impatient in that process, the picture can get a little fuzzy. Have you ever taken one of those Polaroids and you get that fuzzy picture, you just realize you wasted that one piece of film? A lot of us can sometimes be a fuzzy picture of Jesus in the world, and it causes confusion because they don't really see what Jesus is like. I think we have to recognize, I'm a light that focuses and gives a clear in focus, vibrant picture of who Jesus is to the people all around me. And to me, I think sometimes we have to recognize that light does two things. It does a lot of things, but it does two things. One, it exposes, I mean, it reveals truth and it exposes darkness, right? It does two things. Reveals truth and exposes darkness. And to me, to be the light of the world, that means we have to be doing both. We have to be doing both. To shine as lights in the world, we must represent Jesus to the world. And means we mean to do what Jesus did. And Jesus revealed truth and he exposed darkness, didn't he, in his ministry. And that's the same things that we ought to be able to do. Here's a few reasons why we cannot stay silent, should not stay silent if we're a follower of Jesus Christ. And these are simple and easy. One, the apostles spoke with boldness, didn't they? Even though they were thrown in jail and persecuted and beaten and many other things, all the disciples except for one died a martyr's death. And the one that didn't, he was boiled at one time. So it wasn't like he escaped anything, right? All of them had to do a whole lot of things, but they spoke with boldness. And Paul, and I mean Peter, after they were imprisoned and told not to speak in this name anymore, he said, who should I obey, you or God? In other words, what am I going to do? I'm, I'm a light of the world. I'm going to speak the truth of the light that shines in me, is basically what he was saying. So we have to speak up because they did. They're our example. Also, truth sets people free. I know people reject it, and I know the Christian worldview is not the most popular thing, but it brings spiritual freedom. It's the only thing that does, and it's the only thing that ever will. It's not merely a spiritual freedom divorced from material realm. It's that following the Christian worldview in all areas of your life, your work, your relationships, in your finances and everything, it brings freedom in this life. When we walk as the light of life, 
we experience life like we never before. When you're walking through life with the principles that are set forth in Scripture, it is the best life possible. Not a good life, not a great life, but the Bible says a life that is beyond comprehension. The problem is we don't always really bask in that light or, or, or reflect that light. Albert Moeller says, argues that speaking truth is often the most compassionate thing to do, right? And that's true. Three, speaking out helps us discover truth. The Bible says that we are to be uh, prepared to give an answer to the hope that's within us. Prepared means there's got to be some work around understanding truth in a way that we can communicate truth that sheds light, right? So a lot of times for me in my life, some of the greatest experiences I've had is when I've tried to explain the truth of Scripture, and then it was refuted by some worldview or atheistic view, and I couldn't respond. And over years, you get sharpened by that. The Bible says iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. It means we're going to be sharpened. And often, God uses unbelievers to do that to us, right? For our light to illuminate brighter and brighter, we need to get better at handling the Word of God to make a difference in conversations that we have every day in the workplace, in your family, at events, wherever you go, to be able to share the Word of God. We have to understand it in a way, and it helps us to accept it and discover it and to see it in a way that really makes sense to our own lives. That's why Bible study and devotional time and all those things make a difference. Four, truth helps us drown out lies. There's so much nonsense in the world today being discussed on social media and being passed off as true and important, and most of it doesn't matter at all. So, yeah, there's fake news, but hey, we got the good news. The good news that transforms, and as the light of the world, we should be expressing that news so that people understand what's true and what's not true. I say, I, 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 I'm thinking that when we take the things that we get in our lives, the inputs, and we put them through the sieve of Scripture, it helps us to see things so much clearly so that we can speak and act and move about in this world in a way that we can be light. We can reflect the love of God. And lastly, you can make a difference, Right? It's easy to get discouraged today to stop speaking because who's listening or people, what are they, we're going to offend people, whatever it may be. But here's the thing. You can make a difference, and you have to understand the work of salvation is not ours. It's God's alone. Christ saves, right? Jesus saves. We just reflect his light and watch him do the work in the world around us. That's what it means to be light, Right? When you turn on the light, it doesn't do anything else but shine. And that's what we need to do as well. It's an interesting part of the passage here, because remember, Jesus is talking to the nation of Israel, right? He's given this greatest sermon that's ever been, the Sermon on the Mount. And remember, when he's talking about being lights, you have to go back to what we did when we talked about kingdom makers. All those attributes of what it is to be a kingdom maker is what makes you light, so he's talking to these people, and he's talking to the nation of Israel, and he says, you know, Paul says it best, at one time you were in darkness, but now you are the light of the world. And then Paul in, in, in Ephesians 5 says, walk as children in the light. Walk as children of the light. But yet, Jesus, in John eight twelve, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's this concept that we see in our lives today. 
Last night it was hard when we were driving home from Wisconsin when all the snow was falling. It was so dark because the snow's falling. There's no moon to illuminate anything. And here's the thing. The moon doesn't shine, right? The only thing the moon does is reflect the light of the sun so it comes on the earth so that we have some light at night. And it was kind of going through that darkness. I started thinking, oh my gosh, this is where most of the world is. They have no light in their lives. They're in a constant storm, in a constant struggle, and trying to <coughs> live what they think is life, and that's really not life, because they have no light. None. And it's interesting because I started thinking about, you know, the, 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 the sun shines on the moon to give us light. The only time that's in or really doesn't really happen, even though I couldn't see the moon because of the clouds, there was still light reflecting off the moon last night, Right? because that's what the moon does. It reflects the light of the sun. The only time that really doesn't happen is when the earth comes in between the moon and the sun, and there's an eclipse, right? And the sun is, uh, the light of the sun is blocked from the moon by the earth. Kind of interesting, right? I think a lot of us go through a spiritual eclipse at times in our lives where we let the world come between us and Jesus, Right? Because the church is supposed to be like the sun and the moon, right? We're supposed to reflect the light of Christ in us to the world around us. And the only thing that can block that in our life and pertains to the world is the world itself, that we get caught up in the world. So I think many of us experience a spiritual eclipse. I think it's scriptural. Because Mark uh, chapter 4 says this to us, and others, when he's talking about sowing the seeds... Uh, talking about faith, are sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, and now watch this, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. To me, there's three things that cause a spiritual eclipse, I think, scripturally. The first one is the care of the world's, world's. The care of the world. To me, the cares of the world, we can say the worries of the world, right? The things that we worry about, as if God's not on the throne anymore. And let me say, ladies, you're the biggest culprits of this. Um, I'm not afraid of you. I was, I can't, so I have to say it. Women are typically the ones that worry, right? Not that men don't worry, but in general. And, and, and in life and Christians, when we're, we're worried about the cares of things that are going on in our lives... We act as if God isn't on the throne still. That the God of light, the God of life who said, let there be light, and there was light. The God who summoned this whole universe into, into creation with his voice somehow isn't on the throne and isn't interested in what's concerning you. So we sort of live like Christian atheists. We say we believe, but when it comes down to the practical matters of our lives, we can't give back to God because we're afraid of what it's going to do to our finances. I can't trust God with this situation. I've got to control it somehow because, you know, God doesn't understand what's going on. We, We let the worries and the cares of the world choke out, block the light of Christ in our lives. And people see us, right? How are you doing today? Oh, man, I've had a really bad week. You know, you ask people how they feel and they tell you and you're like, oh my gosh, are you a believer or not, right? Because we let too many things get in between us and Christ, the cares of the world. The second one I think is important is the deceitfulness of riches. And I like this one, the deceitfulness of riches. It's, it's kind of interesting. We, we all buy the lie, the more I have, the happier I'll be, right? So we, we chase after the green, 
this great story of Lot and Abraham. I know you all know it, but Lot and Abraham, when they were, their men were working together in the fields watching the, the livestock, they were getting in fights, and finally Abraham came to Lot and said, hey, we, we can't be like this. This shouldn't be us. We're family. You know, you, you, you decide where to go. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. You pick it. It says that Lot turned his eyes toward Sodom and saw how green it was and chose Sodom because it reminded him of Egypt. And look what happened to Lot. He got in a lot of trouble, didn't he? <laughs> and so what happens to a lot of us, we look and we see the green of our past lives or, 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 the, or the natural world, and we chase after that which we're not meant to be and is deceitful because it doesn't bring contentment in life. And we chase after all these things, and things don't matter to God. People do. And we chase after these things, and that becomes an eclipse of the, of the light of Christ in our life because we're too worried about things and going after them. The third one is, there's, uh, is to me, the desire for other things. We all know, practically, that's... We all know people who used to come to church and don't come to church anymore, and then you bump into them and say, hey, where you been? Oh, I've been doing this and doing that, and the things that come into their lives, their kids' sporting events, their you know, family, their work, their whatever, recreation, their, whatever these things are that keeps them away from the family of God. And to me, the cares of the world do that too. They cause a spiritual eclipse in our lives so that we're not the light of God to the world around us. To me, it says a city on a hill cannot be hidden. You're the light of the world and a city on the hill cannot be hidden. And, and I love the picture because I think when Jesus was giving this message, Sethad is a city, it's the highest point in Israel, and it can overlook the whole uh, Sea of Galilee and that whole valley that we're talking about. And it's one of those cities that could not be hidden because during the day you could see it, it's right up there on the hill. And at night, all the lights in the houses and homes would show forth so you couldn't hide it, right? It makes it, so we as believers, what it's saying is if you're a light of Jesus Christ in the world, you cannot be hidden, to me, it's, 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 you, you, you can't be someone where I say, hey, do you know so-and-so? I didn't, I, you know, he's a really good believer. And they go, who? Who? Because the light of your life doesn't reflect Christ. And here's what the Bible says, that it can't be hidden. And then it goes on to an, another one. It says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Some translations say a bowl, Right? So the point is, what's the purpose of giving you light if you're going to hide under it or not show it? See, there's a disconnect. You can't be a follower of Jesus Christ and not be the light of the world, right? right? Yeah, that's why Satan attacks us, right? Satan attacks us not because he can take us over. He attacks us because he wants to diminish the light in your life so you influence no one around you. If you ever wonder why spiritual warfare happens, that's why it happens. And I think we cover the light of Christ in our life, and I think that happens for three things. And, and, and let me just say this, is that when it says, but a stand, um, you know, you, you place it on a stand so that it gives light to all in the house, right? That's what the verse says. Here's the thing. If your light's not shining at home, it's not going to shine out in the world. 
And this is the thing for people when you're selecting Christian leaders. That's why the Bible says if a man can't lead his house, he shouldn't be leading the church. If your family doesn't recognize the love of Christ in you and the light of Christ in you, his truth reflected in your life, you shouldn't be a leader in the church. If it's not happening at home, it's not going to happen here on Sunday. You can't manufacture it, right? We've seen that in the world, and we see the devastation it costs. Not only people, but the church in itself and the name of Christ. That's why Timothy said that a man must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. If someone does not know how to manage his own household, how can he care for God's church? So whenever you pick leaders, pick leaders, always remember they have to show the light at home. Because you know what? Let's face it. It's easy to be a light here on Sunday mornings with all these other people who are lights, isn't it? It's different when you get out in the world to be a light, to stand up for truth in a world that hates everything that we stand for. Did you ever go to, when I was a little kid, we used to go to a show, and they used to give you free tickets, and it was always at 10 a.m. in the morning on Thursdays, and you'd go in there, it's during the summertime, and you'd be in this movie for a couple hours, and then when you'd come outside with that bright light, you'd be blinded, right? And the first reaction is to go back inside, to let your eyes adjust. And see, the world is like that. We come on and we're a blinding light. And it's hard to take sometimes. We need to know that and be patient with the world, but also we continue to be that light. So how do we cover the light? Uh, I think, you know, one of the things we do is we, 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 there's a fear of offending, right? We don't want to be the light because we don't want to offend anybody. You know, we live in a world today that says tolerance and don't, you know, impose your religion on me. We're not selling religion, right? We're not selling anything. We're talking about the light of the world. We should never be offended. about. Isn't it amazing how Satan puts in fear in our hearts every time somebody, we have the opportunity to talk about Jesus, and the first thing we think about is what are they going to think about us? Not what are they going to think about Jesus. That's where it's being the light, right? And as long as we shine, it doesn't matter what the light's effect on the individual is. That's up to God. Rejection should be a byproduct of what we do. It's interesting, though. Fear of offending or, you know, just to be afraid because we might say the wrong thing. Let me tell you something. When you represent Jesus Christ, the Bible says you're not going to tell the wrong thing. God can work with anything you do in his name because it's his work. It's his work. To me, there's also the fear of loss. What am I going to lose? People don't want to speak up at their job, and people don't want to speak up in, you know, in politics, and people don't want to, because they're afraid they're going to lose their reputation, their job, their fi- whatever it may be. Let me tell you something. We have to always remember when it comes to our job that God gave you the job you have, and he can give you another one if you lose it on account of his name. Amen? Amen. The last one is, if, I really think it's important, is the lack of action or apathy. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see. In other words, there's an action associated. You've got to turn on the light. You've got to do something. You've got to be out there active in the world. Not under the bowl. Not under the basket. That's why it says let. There's purpose. There's a reason for you to have the light of Christ in your life. I love what D.L. Moody said. We are told to let our light shine. And if it does... We don't need to tell anyone about what anyone, anybody it does. Lighthouses don't fire cannons to call attention to their shining. They just shine. Isn't that true? We don't need to call attention to all these different things. We just need to be the light of Christ. 
That's what the Bible calls us to do. It calls us to be. So when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration with <coughs> the disciples and he showed forth his humanity, displayed his deity. In other words, his deity shone forth through his humanity. It's the same thing for us. The deity of Christ should show forth through our humanity. That's what it means to be the light. When people see Jesus in us and through us. See, it says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. Here's the deal. Faith is something that's internal and cannot be seen. The only time people see our faith is based on what we do. And so it's supposed to be an action associated with that. So we're to go out and be the light. In other words, do what Jesus would do in the situations around you. And don't, that doesn't mean you have to go to work and be a, 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 you know, a pastor at lunchtime, stand up on the tables and preach the gospel. You go to work to be a good worker. The Bible says to be a good worker and to show the love of Christ is to be the best worker you should be, as if you're working for the Lord, right? People will see a difference in you. People do that. Now, if you can spread the word during lunchtime, that's cool. And when you do something that brings you know, the light of life into someone's life, don't get weird about it. You know, people, sometimes Christians over-spiritualize everything. You know, you give somebody a, open a door, thank you, oh, that was Jesus. No, it's just you doing your job of opening the door, right? Not everything is, you know, I think sometimes we have to understand that when you do things in, in regards to Jesus, people are going to see that. You want them to ask about it. Why do you do that? Why do you do that? It seems like that doesn't ever bother you. How come? Those are the things that you want people to see. The question is, do our actions bring light to others? Because after all, Colossians 1.27 says that Christ is in you, and he's our hope and our glory, and for good reason, the world should see that too, right? And experience it as well. People need to see Jesus at work in the world. Let me say that again. People need to see Jesus at work in their world. Theirs. Not just in the world in general. Let me tell you something. When it says, let you see your good works before men so they may praise your Father in heaven, get them glory, right? When you give to missions fund, people all over the world are being affected by what you give. And they're seeing Jesus at work right where they're at. That word, so that, it's really a, a term that implies an extra emphasis. Sort of like when, for God so loved the world. It's just, for, you know, it's the word, let our lives so that people see. And sometimes it's hard for me as a believer. Sometimes in, I get frustrated in the world sometimes, and I think that, you know, that means God loves and we're to be the light to Democrats for me, right? It's frustrating for me. As a pastor, I have a hard time getting behind a political party that does things that are antithetical to the Word of God. And I'm not trying to be political here today, but in some sense, I'm trying to say that a a party that promotes abortion up till the day before the baby's going to be born. And they're celebrating that in New York. It sickened me. And a a party that promotes things that are anti-God the gay lifestyle and everything that we're dealing with. We see the cultures being enveloped in so much darkness and we feel powerless at a church to to do anything about it because we're not being the light. We're not exposing darkness. Hey, there's some great movies out there if you haven't gone and seen them. Go see Unplanned. Go see, uh, I always forget the name, Breakthrough. Great movies 
where you see people's light, how it worked over time, to so that people, they bask in it, eventually they see it. You just got to be patient with the process. That also means Jesus loves people like ISIS and people that do really bad things in this world. And if we're to be the light of God, we need to show that light forth. So all this humanitarian aid that the Christian church is doing over in Syria and other places, to me, has an impact. And we all got to understand, we may not go there, but what we support has the ability to bring light to people who are living in darkness. To me, evidence of our faith is not a prerequisite for salvation. Don't get me wrong. Our works are not what gets us into heaven, but our works are that outward physical understanding and experience of God's light in our life so that people see how tangible and how different, what a difference Jesus makes. See, a lot of times in the Christian church, we get synthetic Christianity, don't we? Manufactured faith. We look like we're the light of the world, but we're only doing things because it's either good for us or it's a way of getting things that we want. We want to look good, but there's no substance to it. You, you, you have this profession of faith, but no evidence of faith in the works that we do. When I was, we're only worried about ourselves, what the light of the world is actually going to do for us, and we're not concerned about how we reflect that light to a world that is desperately needing to see real faith in action in their life. That's what it means. People need to see us at work in their lives. I love what Mother Teresa said. Words do not give light of Christ. Increase darkness, don't they? Words of faith. Things that we do to encourage one another. The Bible says encourage one another while is, is yet still the day. In other words, while there's still light, encourage one another so that we can go out and by being encouraged, encourage others to be what? Light. I can't tell you how important it is for me. Every once in a while, I get a text from somebody in the church about, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, I'm doing this for you. Man, it makes me feel really good. It helps you to shore up under some of the stress and, and struggles of, of, of my life. That's light. That's being light. To me, I think that we have to understand that so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The way, they, the way our good works should be surrounded by is really what the Scripture says. We should be Christ-like. What did Jesus do to everybody? He was compassionate with them. He was empathetic with them. But he was also very responsive to either do one of the two things. He either revealed truth to them or he exposed the darkness that they were misguided or confused by. Because he knew at the end of the day that's all that matters. It's amazing how much time and effort we put into our kids in sports to make them become pro athletes. And the average kid has a .0026% chance of being a sports athlete. But every one of those kids are going to have to stand before Christ one day. We spend a whole lot of time focusing on getting good grades. And not that grades are bad so that kids can get in Harvard or whatever other school they want to get into. But they don't recognize how much time will we really put into our kids to find out if they're going to get into heaven? How much light are we pouring into them to make sure they understand who Jesus is and why he should be the most important thing in their lives? Right? Kind of makes you think differently when it comes to the verse. Now we go back and look at the same passage. You are the light of the world. Us, the church. The followers of Christ. 
a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. In other words, God places us for the world to see us. Are we shining? Nor do people put a light under a lamp or, or put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give your Father who is in heaven glory. Amen? It's a calling. So we should be by nature as followers of Jesus Christ. Now remember, some of us are works in progress. We just came out of the Polaroid camera, and it takes time to develop, right? Some of us are fuzzy pictures, and we've kind of gone off the track. We've, there's, an, there's a spiritual eclipse in our life caused by whatever we, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of money, or the desires of the world, and maybe this morning's a, a balance and a... Kind of a check. Paul says, hey, check yourself. Examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Some here may this morning need to examine themselves to see, am I a light of the world or is it being blocked by things like unconfessed sin, apathy, fear of others, fear of loss. I don't know where you're at and what's your situation today. But to me, I think one of the most important things for us to remember is our purpose. Let your light shine. Let's pray. Father, I don't know, uh, I know in a room this size, there are some here whose lights have been diminished. Maybe they feel oppressed by the attack of the enemy in their lives. Maybe the stresses of the world and the things of the world have caused them, Lord, to question and doubt. Lord, I'd ask this morning that you would encourage them, that you would just feed their soul with your presence, that they would understand that they can cast their cares on you and their burdens on you because your yoke is easy, Lord, and we just know that that's the place to place them. And for others, Lord, that are just caught up with anxiety, we know your word says, that, Lord, that we are to cast our anxiety on you as well and trust in you because you are on the throne, you are in control. You are God most high. Lord, you rose from the dead to impact our lives today so that we can be light. And I'd ask for anyone here this morning, Lord, that has a struggle or has an issue, that they would just bring it to you. And Lord, listen to you and hear from you. And Lord, if there's anyone in here that doesn't understand that they are the light of the world, that Jesus Christ came to die on the cross at Calvary, to pay a perpetuation for their sin, a, a, a sacrifice for their sin so that they could have a relationship with the Father. And it's the only way to God because Jesus is the only way. Lord, that they would just grab my hand and say, look, I don't know the light of the world. And I'll be glad to pray with you. And I'll be glad to, Lord, walk you through what salvation means and what Christ did for you. Lord, I'd ask that we would be unashamed in a world that is dark, fake, synthetic. May we be the light of the world to all those around us. And as we go through this series, Lord, may you encourage us and strengthen us and embold us to be just that. May by the time this series is over, may we be brighter than we are today. I just pray this in your precious name, Jesus.